In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. As soon as I said the words in the name of the Father, you knew what to do, or your response was automatic. Because you've never heard any of us say, in the name of the Father, dot, 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 or in the name of the Holy Spirit, dot, dot, dot. And not only when, as soon as you hear that Trinity named in three persons, you automatically start to put your hand to your forehead and down and to your left and to the right. As much as you may very well regard that gesture as the words you say when you make that action, it's actually the gesture that you make when you hear those words. In the Latin church for centuries, there's been an even simpler gesture of reverence that when we hear the Trinity named, we simply bow our head. You might notice that subtly uh, at the chair or in the front, especially when we get to the, the third verse of, Holy God, we praise thy name. And so uniquely in, in our Roman traditions, that gesture, which Eastern Christians make whenever they hear the Trinity mentioned, we make that gesture when we, when we invoke the Holy Trinity as the beginning of a prayer, as the end of a prayer, or even just simply as the statement of what I am about to do, I do it in the name of God. There are other expressions of reverence for the Holy Trinity that are part of our daily prayer life, or at the very least, our Sunday prayer life which probably also go unnoticed. When we pray, Kyrie eleison, Christa eleison, Kyrie eleison, we're praying, Lord God, Father, have mercy on me. Christ, my Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, Holy Spirit, have mercy on me. Just before the Eucharistic prayer begins, we hear the words from Isaiah 6. And we chanted in Latin, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. The prophet Isaiah saw the throne of God and heard the angels in their worship of God and simply heard this, this word repeated over and over without possibly ever having been able to imagine that holy, holy, holy invites us to worship the three persons of the Holy Trinity, Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. The mystery of the Trinity is so much a part of our life without our even realizing it. Consider the alternative. Consider a universe in which God simply is pure power, but not love. In a universe like that, and some people think that they live in that universe, God is merely to be feared and obeyed. 
But there's no relationship to have to that God. God is regarded as merciful simply because he doesn't squash us like the bugs we are. It's possible to learn that attitude towards God. We tend to learn our notions of God from the authority over us when we're young. What is God like? Oh, I presume he's like my father and my mother. But are human beings limited to that experience? Don't human beings rather have inside themselves already something more than that? Consider these words of St. Paul to the Romans as as something anthropological, not just simply a, a recognition of what God has done by his gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for they did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you received a spirit of adoption through whom we cry, Abba, Father. Every gift that we've been given by God, every grace we receive, corresponds to something in our nature, our physical nature, our spiritual nature, which is ready to receive that grace. It's ready to receive that. A car that's never had gasoline in it, nevertheless, has all the apparatus inside of it so that when gasoline is introduced to it, it fits, it works, everything is ready for it. The human soul in which the Holy Spirit has yet to be infused still shows evidence of the fact that it was meant to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And so what do we see in human beings? Do we see in human beings only that spirit of slavery? Only that spirit of, I am worthless, I must obey you, please don't kill me. And, and whether it be in a, in a, in a good expression or a, or a lamentable expression, don't we see in human beings, even human beings without faith, the notion that I was meant to be more than a slave. I was meant to be important. I was meant to be like God. I sometimes pretend to be God. If we were mere animals with only the potential for a spirit of slavery, we wouldn't see those things in human behavior and human speech. We wouldn't see arrogance We also wouldn't see benevolence. The human being obviously was made for more than simply being an abject abject slave of its creator. But we couldn't possibly fathom, fathom the reality that God reveals to us in Christ Jesus. And if we had, and if it had been made up, it would be just too neat and too clean. What has Christ revealed to us? When we made that sign of the cross, when we heard the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we took upon ourselves the symbol of our Lord's crucifixion. And as we reflected in those days right after Easter, the crucifix that we have before us isn't a symbol of death. 
It, it, it shows for us the body that Christ presented to the apostles after the resurrection. Probe, look at the wounds on my hands. Probe the wound in my side. This really is me. This really is the body that was crucified, and I really am alive. The risen Jesus ascended into heaven, having sent the Holy Spirit, reveals to us that he is God. Therefore, the Father to whom he prayed is God and equal, and the Holy Spirit whom he promised to send is God and equal. And as much as we, we, we yearn for, for analogies, Christians don't refer to God as something like H2O, where he's frozen or liquid or, or steam, as though, as though the Father would turn into the Son and the Son would turn into the Holy Spirit. It's the heresy of modalism. It's tempting, but completely historically inaccurate even to attribute to St. Patrick the idea of the shamrock being an image of the Holy Trinity, as though God were in three parts, one part Father, one part Son, one part Holy Spirit. That kind of partialism has nothing to do with genuine Christianity. God isn't revealed as an abstraction. He's revealed in his person. Christ reveals God to us. Not only fulfilling our potential, but making possible for us a way of life to which now we become accustomed, thank goodness. We've become accustomed to the, to, to the notion that, that God loves me. That God didn't have to make me. He chose to create me. Every human being comes into the world by the loving choice of God, not by fate and not by luck. The whole universe itself didn't need to exist. God created everything out of nothing and not out of a necessity to have someone to love. We know from our patron, St. John, that love is not just an attribute of God. Love is not just simply an activity at which he excels, but rather God is love. Love is not something you can just simply do on your own. Love is not an emotion. It's not a solitary activity. Love means I love someone. Love means a relationship. God is love. Reveals to us how God couldn't simply be a solitary almighty figure. It's just simply pure power and still be almighty. For God to be truly almighty and never having needed to have created the universe, God must have already been love. Not just love as an attribute, not just love as an activity, but a communion of love between persons. And, and how does that 
reveal to us who we already are without even realizing it. To be means to be with another. It is impossible to exist alone. Those of us who think we are truly alone stop living, can't bear the experience. And hopefully one day we'll realize it's not even the reality. We are never alone. We wouldn't exist if God left us alone. We are loved. God's mercy and providence are always given us. We were meant to be with not just each other. We were created in order to be with God in heaven as his adopted sons and daughters. To be is to be with another. And well. We were made for that. We weren't made to be dominated or to dominate. We were made for love. Those human beings who don't know the Holy Trinity have inklings. Those of us who have come to believe in the Holy Trinity should be overwhelmed by this mystery and should be overflowing with the love of God. During these days and weeks after Pentecost, we celebrate those feasts that we can now articulate and celebrate because of the gift of the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth, celebrating the Holy Trinity, celebrating our Lord's body and blood in Corpus Christi. Just a few months ago, the Holy Father added a new feast to the calendar. The very day after Pentecost is now the feast of Mary, mother of the church. And so as you meditate on these last glorious mysteries, Pentecost, Assumption, the Coronation of Our Lady, consider how this mystery of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was, was first contemplated by the Blessed Virgin Mary and how she first expressed it in the first human words to St. John and to the Apostles. Not as a diagram, not as an explanation, but as her experience of God being within her and her son being equal to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and her being full of grace, complete union with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ask her then to, to reflect not only what God has revealed about himself, but what God has revealed about who we have been all this time. And in profound gratitude and humility, join her in praising. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.